Just as we heard the book of Isaiah was written in extraordinary, complex times, Jesus lived in extraordinary and complex times. Another superpower was in charge of what happened in the life of Israel. They controlled the known world. The Roman Empire was everywhere. They had a plan. Overwhelming force ensures victory and victory ensures peace. It was a different kind of peace than we might want. Tacitus, a second century Roman historian, said the Romans come, they make a desert and they call it peace. But that was their plan. They colonised not only the land and the people, they colonised the heavens. They got to the point where they were able to say that their dead leaders were gods and that the, the, the leaders that had be, that come into being after them were the sons of God. They colonised every part of the world, every part of thinking. It was an all-encompassing empire. So why does Jesus, when he talks about his empire, he called it the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, the kingdom of God in Mark and in Luke and in John, why, if he's talking about his all-encompassing kingdom, what, why does he choose something so small as a seed? Why something so ordinary as sowing by a sower? This is something that people would have seen all around them everywhere. It was an agricultural society. Surely we need an army full of soldiers, not a bag full of seed if we're going to talk about an empire. But of course, Jesus' kingdom, he said in the Gospel of John, was not like the kingdom that you saw around you. He said, my kingdom, in response to Pilate when he was arrested and on trial, my kingdom is not of this world. And we could easily think about that as well. It's some sort of esoteric idea, some sort of purely spiritual, purely personal, religious piety. But what Jesus was meaning was, my kingdom is not going to be done the way this kingdom is done. It's not going to be about control. It's not going to be about overwhelming force. It's going to be about something different. But it is going to be universal. It is going to be everywhere because the seed in the story does go everywhere. There is no land where it doesn't land. Because in an agricultural society, there's only really three bits of land. There's the good land, in which you sow all the crops. There's the rubbish land in which you can't sow crops, the rocky land or the land with the thorns on it, or there's the land that's covered with people, the path, the house, the areas of commerce. Everything else is used for land. For, for grow, land is used for growing. Of course, it's the same today. In fact, we've got, uh, we've got real issues with us taking over good farming land for other activities. In, in Adelaide, we're taking over the plains that we're used to growing all of our crops in for other things, for housing. And we're beginning to wonder, well, where are we going to grow the crops? So the same issue is true. But land is either used for something good, growing, or it's used for other things, but it's everything. 
This is lost in the explanation. And this is one of the reasons, there are many reasons, but one of the reasons why the men, most New Testament scholars really struggle with the idea that the explanation that Ho read to us is actually a part of the original saying of Jesus. It just doesn't have the same tone because it wants to divide the world up if you go back and read the explanation. But the parable itself is universal, it's everywhere. And it seems to be for everyone. It doesn't matter what the condition of the ground is, the seed just goes out. In fact, if you were a farmer listening to Jesus, you might think that the sower he's talking about is not a very good farmer because he's indiscriminate. He's profligate, he just, it just goes everywhere. And that would have been weird in a very stratified culture. Remember, a third at least of the population of the Roman Empire, so likely a third of the people who were listening to Jesus were slaves. Only 1% of the population were the rich and the powerful. The ones that we, if we go to the lands where there are still Roman ruins, what we see is what's left of the rich and the powerful. We know nothing about the ordinary people. It was a very stratified culture. Of course, we're not much distant from that, really, are we? Where Julia Gillard went on and on about working families. And Scott Morrison went on and on about those who have a go will get a go. They were both dog whistling. They were both signalling that culture is stratified. There are those who are worthy and there's everyone else. We did it during COVID, remember? We were, up, we were willing to give money to certain groups, but not to others. If you were in the arts, certain sections of the university, if you were an international student here on a visa, most people didn't get anything. The rest of, of us, well, we were, we were the acceptable ones. So we're, we're, not a, we're not the community of mates that we'd like to think we are. Maybe we're not as stratified as ancient Rome, but sometimes it feels like we're not far off it. But Jesus, in this text, is saying, doesn't matter. The seed goes everywhere. It's extravagant and abundant. In our order of service today, I've given you some photographs of Ai Weiwei, Ai Weiwei, sorry, the um, Chinese dissident artist. And if you're listening to this, on the podcast, on podcast or on Substack, go to the website, uh, go to the web, and, and look anywhere for Ai Weiwei. Uh, just put in Chinese dissident artist. He's the most famous artist in China these days. And what what is you'll find there is a hundred million handmade porcelain sunflowers. That's what the photograph is. It's probably not that easy to see in our order of service. They were made in a village in China that's known for centuries, 1,500 years, as the porcelain capital of China. And it's a very strange artwork. First of all, he's given work to about 1,600 potters who are out of work. It's also a comment about the Chinese government and its restriction on the people of China. It's a comment on the fact that Mao Zedong used this sunflower seed as one of his symbols. And, of course, he oversaw the tremendous Chinese famine that killed millions and millions of people. 
It's scandalous. That's why he's in trouble so much, because all of his artwork criticises the government and calls for something different. Because he remembers when sunflower seeds were the seeds, the only seeds you could get as a kid when he was living in a very poor part of the country. And they would share it with each other. So for him, it's a, a memory of what the country should be like, not what it is like. But it feels weird to us. A hundred million tiny porcelain seeds? Like, it seems like a, what, such a strange thing to do. Isn't it a waste of time? And of good porcelain clay? Like, it's really weird. A hundred, and wouldn't you have loved to have been in the Turbine Hall, uh, in the Tate Modern Gallery in London, which is enormous, like it's, I don't know, five times the size of our church, if you've ever been there, it's just enormous. Imagine that covered, covered in a hundred million handmade porcelain sunflower seeds. It feels amazing, but it also feels really strange. And I think that's part of what Jesus wants us to know about in this parable. He's talking about something that is going everywhere, that is happening all over the place. It, it feels unusual. It feels revolutionary. And there's another thing. The seed is potent all the way through this story it's not an army full of soldiers it's a bag full of seed and the seed never loses its potency never loses its seedness it's always a seed on the rocky ground the seed does what seeds do it grows yeah there's problems on the thorny ground what does the seed do it grows what happens when it's on the path? It gets taken by a bird and it nourishes the bird or the bird drops it somewhere else. The seed cannot be anything other than the seed. It is powerful, it is potent, and it will not, it will not lose its seedness. And on good soil, some of it's 100-fold, some of it's 30, some of, some of it's 60, some of it's 30. It doesn't matter. The numbers aren't what's important. What's important is that it grows. It cannot be gone. It cannot be lost to the world. It will always be, it will always be growing. It will always be alive. It will always be doing its job. And you think about it. What the work is of the thorns is doing. It's easy for us to, and you may have been in Sunday school when you heard this, this story, it's easy for us to take it as an individual story. Like some of us are thorny, some of us are rocky, some of us, us of us in Sunday school, the ones that have scrubbed up and come to church, we're the good soil. But of course Jesus is talking to a culture that is not individualised, it's a community culture. I think he's always wanting us to take these stories, not to divide, but as a story of who we are. We're all rootless. We all struggle with, what does it mean to be me? Where, where am I most grounded? Where is home in its deepest sense? What nourishes us? They're all the questions we ask all the time. We're all like the rocky ground. We're all places of shallowness. And we've got so much stuff.
cluttering our lives that exhausts us. We're frightened of just being by ourselves alone. In my last congregation, I, and we might do some more of this here, tried to introduce more silence into worship. Because we talk all the time. Look at I'm standing up in front of you in a big box yelling at you. But we do it all the time. That's what we do in our culture. And if I'm not doing it, your phone is doing it to you or your television. The idea that we could be silent just with ourselves and the faithful among us with ourselves and with God is a frightening thing. All these things, we are like the path too. We harden ourselves. We guard ourselves against things getting into us, against love and joy. We let it bounce off us. It's But you know, it's all soil. Doesn't matter how hard the path gets, it's still soil. Doesn't matter how rocky the rocky soil is, it's still soil, it's on its way to being even better soil. You know, the rocks will eventually break down, give them a couple of million years, it's plenty of time. It will become good soil. It's always soil. The seed is always working. It is always present. It's a different kind of empire, a different kind of kingdom. It's one that will grow whether you want it to or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether you're engaged with it or not, whether you even notice it or not. When you were a kid and you saw your aunt or uncle after six or eight months and they said to you, gosh, you've grown, you didn't notice it because you just were doing it all day, every day, just like you are now. This is what happens. It just, life will not be done down. It will grow. It will be real. It will be alive in us. That's the story of the parable of the sower. You begin to see why Jesus was loved and invited and why he was feared and rejected as he told stories like this one.